Turn to the book of Acts. We're going to go there and read a few things in the book of Acts. There, in many ways, the book of Acts is, a, is our pattern uh, for church today. The only difference is that the book of Acts, uh, the body of Christ, or we can say the church was just beginning, so there was, no, there was nothing set yet. But all the principles are our pattern. All the points of in- emphasis are our points of emphasis. All of, our, all, of the expect- all of the things they saw become our expectation. And so in my first years with the Lord, I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, the book of Acts, this is, this is, supposed, to hap- this is supposed to happen. This is what church is supposed to be like. This is what we're supposed to experience. This is what we're supposed to see of God. And this is what we're supposed to be doing. And this is what's important. And so that helped me, you know, uh, avoid a lot of false pursuit, false emphasis, churchianity that's not scriptural. What is it supposed to look like? Are demons still supposed to come out? Are people still supposed to be healed? Are people still supposed to be getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Because some have tried to like basically write off the book, write off, write off all the supernatural aspects of the book of Acts and say, well, we're in modern day now that all died away. If it died away, it only died away because people stopped believing correctly. So if we can just believe correctly and uh, pursue the right things and have, and have the Lord working with us, then we can see these things. So anyway, part of it has to do with church growth, and that's what I want to talk about tonight because you and I need a vision uh, that the kingdom grows and that church grows. The church at large around the world should be growing. You need a part in that. And this church, you need a part in that. So what do you expect? As a Christian, you need a vision for helping your church grow. And then you should be very excited when it does grow. Very thankful and grateful when you see more friends added to the Lord and your assembly. And that's why we can't get complacent. We can't just be happy with with our few and say, wow, you know, I got some wonderful friends. Whew. No, no, no. We've got to, uh, I'm sorry. It's got to go more. We've got to grow a little bit more. Right. How much more? A little bit more. Right. H- how much more? A little bit more. How much more? More. Right. More and more and more and more. And then somebody says, well, aren't pastors ever satisfied? Pastors are never satisfied. <laughs> when I used to travel in the ministry, I preached for some small, small churches and some average churches and a couple of big churches. And the one thing I noticed with every single pastor, no matter what level they were at or what place their church was at, they were never satisfied. They're always trying to get more. I'm thinking, why are they never satisfied? Then it dawned on me. They're not supposed to be. We're supposed to keep on because every time we get 10 saved, there's another one that still needs to be saved. Every time we get a hundred that are getting discipled, there's 10,000 that aren't. And so it never ends. And you need a vision for that so that you can be on, on board with God's plan. What's his plan? Add to the kingdom, add to the church, raise up more disciples, and then start the process all over again. So we have to, we have, to have that in our mindset because all of you have different lives, don't you? Is anybody in here living another person's life? And if you are, you need to come up here and get delivered. Because you all have your own life, and you have your own desires, and you have your own domestic pursuits, and you have your own uh, outside the church life, okay? 
And so to get here uh, on a Sunday or a Wednesday or any time, it takes faith to get here. It takes, it takes use, right. cutting, stopping your natural life and say, I'm going to church. Oh, oh, what time is it? Oh, got to go do my other thing. And so church is not really supposed to be a place that you go to every week. It's not a place that we just decide to attend or not. Attend when it's convenient. It's not too convenient. Eh, we'll just blow it off. That's not what church is supposed to be like. Church is supposed to be a family, an assembly, a place amongst people where we live our life from. We're supposed to be part of this body of Christ. And so every time we're together, we're in reality and we live our life from this reality. We go out to the world and do our thing and then we come back. We're not in the world just seeing if, we, seeing if church is going to make it this week. Is it going to fit my schedule this week? No, 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 no. We live from this place. This is where we grow from. This is where we go from. This is the kingdom of God where we are planted. This is the kingdom of God that we have entered. Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He said you can't see God nor enter. This is where we enter and we're in together. And it's a special feeling when you're here, right? When you get in here, it's like, wow, this is, it just in your spirit, it feels big. You could be in the smallest room and it still feels big when you're with other, because that's the family, that's the kingdom, that's the body of Christ. It's supernatural and it feels big. But when you're not in here, it doesn't feel all that big. And so if you stay away from church too long, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 weeks, for whatever reason, even a legitimate reason, you stay away, church in your soul, in your consciousness gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it just feels like, oh. I got so much to do in the world and so much out in my domestic life. It's so big. Church seems so small. You want to go to church this week? I don't know. I don't think we need to. We went last month. That's why that happens. I'm not not trying to condemn people. I'm trying to help you realize what's happening in your soul. It's not that it's, it's less important. It's that you forgot that it was more important. But once you get back, once you come back for about three or four weeks in a row, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden your priorities get, get ironed out a little bit better, a lot better, and you're emphasizing and you're flowing in the kingdom of God. This is supposed to be a place that we live from and then go out to the world to be a light and then we come back to refuel and to love and to bless and to help others grow and get fuel and then we go back out and we come back and talk about it and we go back out and we come back and talk about it. And we're rejoicing together and we're working together and we're all thinking the same thing together. Right. We're coming to church not just to get a little help, but we eventually, you got to go from coming to get help to coming to give help or, or coming to rejoice about the help. Amen. It's not just do I need it or not. It becomes bigger than that. Amen. You don't ever sit around your house going, do I need this family or not? <laughs> it's your family. You know you have a part in your family, however big or small, it's your family. That's who you live with. Church assembly is supposed to be your family. It's supernatural. It's not domestic. It didn't come from your loins. It's supernatural connection that God's put you with other Christians. 
And that's why it is important to find the will of God. Where does he want you? He has put you somewhere. And and for whatever season of life you're in, there's some group of Christians you're supposed to be connected to. Never is God going to say, well, you don't need, this is a season where you don't need any family of God with you. He'll never do that. Like, like this is your Starbucks season where you can Sunday morning, just go to Starbucks and watch online. God told me this summer is my summer of Sunday morning coffee church. No. If you had, if there was a season, it was 2020 and that's over. That was one way that we kind of fought through that is no, no, that church doesn't work that way. Church doesn't grow that way. Church will shrink and shrivel if it doesn't get together, especially in times of crisis. All right, let's read the book of Acts chapter two. And one reason we go through this occasionally and talk like this occasionally is so so that we're in one accord, because if we're not in one accord, uh, the spiritual pursuits and goals we have, uh, or we can just say the glory of God, it it will fall short of it. We'll we'll fall short of getting to see the good stuff if we're not together in soul, in mind, especially when we come. Everybody's different outside the church, but when you come, we got to have at least partially the same heart, the same expectancy the same pursuit, the same glory, the same joy, the same faith. And that's why we do this. So we can strive together, like the Bible, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Acts chapter two, this is early church, first sermon Peter ever preached. A bunch of people got saved. At the end of it, he says, verse 40, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's interesting. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. The generation they were in was perverse. You think yours is special. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So think steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Notice this term you're going to see that the Lord added to the church daily. Added to the church. The Lord added, seems like it's important that the Lord adds to the church. Sometimes it seems that Christians just get excited that they're saved and that's it. No, 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 you've got to get excited that he's adding. And, and, and part of it is because of what's happened in the prior vor- verses, from verse 42 to verse 46. What's happening here? What's allowing the Lord to add to the church? Well, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in, par- in prayers. And, and that's Acts 2.42. That's why we call our Cafe 2.42. Have you ever wondered why the cafe is called Cafe 2.42? Anybody ever wondered that? 
Is this the first time you know what it means? If you, if you go in and you look up, you'll see the scripture there. I guess we could have just picked random numbers for every room. <laughs> or let people guess. So they continued in doctrine, right, right, teaching. That's what that is. They continued the apostles' teaching, which would be New Testament teaching, which was very new for every believer. And fellowship, they continued in fellowship. They continued in fellowship. Listen, every one of you in here need Christian fellowship in your life. Consistent Christian fellowship. And I'm talking about with your domestic family. I'm talking with your home, your house. Well, my family's Christian. We talk all the time. No, I'm talking about fellowship on purpose in the name of Jesus, surrounded, surrounding the word and the things of God. Every one of us need Christian fellowship consistently. They continue daily. First, verse 43, fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Uh, the fear of God is the respect and honor. We can say godly fear, godly honor, godly respect, godlike life style, godlike reverence toward the things of God. Right. It came upon people. They saw the, the move of God. They saw the power of God. Fear came upon every soul. And then signs and wonders are done. Signs and, signs and wonders are done when more and more people in the congregation have some honor toward God and some respect toward the Lord. If you want it consistently in a local church, we need that. Verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread. So daily they went to church. Now for them, it was probably a little easier to get to the temple, you know, walk down the street a bit, you know, a 10 minute walk and you're at the church for prayer hour or whatever they did daily. Uh, I, I don't know how, how we can do daily here, but we've got three or four days that there's people here at church, you know? And so more and more, we should be in church, not less and less. And breaking bread from house to house. Uh, these days, people don't really uh, visit houses too often. So you're going to have to find a way to still be friends. You need Christian fellowship daily. Okay, at least twice a week. Okay, three times a week. Is there any possible way you can have some Christian fellowship eating with people? You got to eat with people. There's something special about breaking bread. It's life. That's, that's what life Life is centered around eating, and so just you got to do an important thing with, with other Christians. You got to eat together. That's why we're trying to make you go to lunch together. If you don't want to invite them to your house, take them to Jack in the Box. Somebody likes Jack in the Box. Look, the Jack in the Box uh, after Wednesday night church should be a long line. No, I don't know. I know I'm in it, but anyway. <laughs> Verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Praise the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> Acts 
Acts chapter 5, verse 11. Great fear came upon all the church after they saw Ananias and Sapphira uh, sin right in the face of God. People wonder, well, what happened there? You know, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and, and then died immediately. God really got him. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously, he's not killing all liars. <laughs> or these uh, blue chairs would be uh, dusty and crusty with your dead body in them. So it wasn't that God was punishing them for sin. You have to understand this. Because we say this a lot. We try to teach this a lot. I'm not going to go into it. We're going to do it, though, in the next probably four to six weeks. We're going to go through and examine why Ananias and Sapphira fell down dead. But not tonight. So don't worry about it. Just don't come lie right up in the pulpit. Verse 11, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Notice this connection to the fear of God and the power of God. The more we respect God, the more we live a godly life with all godliness, uh, the more power we're going to see. Not because of your godliness, but because it does something in your soul that allows you closeness to the spirit. That's another message too, but verse 12, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That was a big porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. Note that multitudes were added. We're expecting multitudes added. Every church in Houston is expecting multitudes to be added to it. If any pastor is not expecting multitudes added to the church, they need a little help with vision. And I don't put them down because every pastor needs that at some point because we forget that we're supposed to expect multitudes to be added. Are you expecting multitudes to be added? We're expecting multitudes to be added. Listen, we bought 17 acres here. Not just six. We bought 17 because we're expecting multitudes to be added. We've got plans for the property. We've got phase two plan, phase three plan. We're expecting multitudes, not for ourselves, not because we're somebody special, but because if we can do spiritual things right, the Lord can add multitudes to the church. That's his desire, supposed to be our desire. He wants more family. He wants bigger family. He wants at least one more person to live inside. He created them. He wants to live inside them. It's our duty to help that happen. He wants wants to live full inside people. It's our duty to raise them up and train them in here. We got to get them saved so he has entrance. Then we got to raise them up so that he has full glory inside them. You got to care about this. You're, You're working for God, right? You're living for God, right? You've lost your life for his sake and the gospels, right? So this is part of it. You've got to care about these things deeply. And then that helps you recognize your importance and your value here in the building. Somebody needs to see you. 
Somebody here needs to see you. Somebody needs something from you. Amen. Somebody needs your faith handshake. They used to call it Pentecostal handshake. Because when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecostal, filled with the Holy Spirit, you get generous. So when you give a Pentecostal handshake, you give a generous handshake, and that means there's something in it scratching their hand. We should come thinking, who can I give some money to? Got any extra this week, honey? Let's give some to somebody. Who can we give it to? I don't know. Let's see what the Spirit says. And if the Spirit doesn't say, just pick me. I mean, just pick somebody. Just pick something. Just pick somebody. Pick the person on your row. Sit down in a chair and say, whoever sits next to me, they're getting it. Well, I don't know about that. Then people will be chasing you all over the sanctuary every service. You got to make life fun and giving is fun. And if you can't give something uh, monetary, uh, give some love, give some smile, give some hug, give some glory, give some, give something to somebody. Bring us extra Starbucks coffee. <laughs> buy, buy somebody something in the cafe. Do something for somebody and, and get to know somebody. You're supposed to get to know Christians. Jesus said you would know. He said that the world will know you're my disciples. Not because of how you dress on Sunday. Not because of your fancy religious talk at work. He said, they'll know my disciples by the love they have for one another. You're going to have to love some people. And if you're not around people, don't care to be around people, you don't love them. And so when you do get around people, you need to love them. You need to give yourself to them. Love gives. You got to get to know them. You got to ask some questions and find out about their life. Look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, this is after the uh, church was scattered because Paul was killing Christians putting them in prison. Verse four, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So it's interesting that multitudes with one accord heeded. Now this is more an evangelistic crusade, but you see that multitudes count. And so in the olden days here in America, you'd put up a tent and multitudes of sinners would come. In the old, old days, you could go into churches and multitudes of sinners would hear the gospel. Sinners sitting in church. You look at the old timers, the old revivals, the, the first and second great awakening, and, and these, these preachers that, that are well known now, they would go into church services, preach the gospel with power, and half the people would come get saved because they weren't saved yet. Because sinners went to church. That was the only non-domestic place to go in the town. And so it was just something everybody did, whether you were saved or not back then. Well, now it's a little different. You don't have quite the multitudes just going to church. And now they don't want to go to the tents. 
because it's too hot out there. So we got to reach people a different way. Now, overseas, you do get to preach to, more, to bigger crowds of sinners. You go into places where the gospel hasn't been spread much, and all of a sudden, you got a whole crowd of sinners. In the U.S., the, the best multitude of sinners I ever get to preach to is at funerals. And so I've always enjoyed preaching at funerals. It may sound a little strange, but I've always enjoyed preaching at funerals to some degree because it's the only chance I get to feel like they did in the Bible, where you preach and half love it and half hate it. And here, all of you love it. In here, you know, the expectation is it's a big amen from everybody. But at a funeral, it's a half amen and a half get me out of here. We learned this in the early days. I'd be doing some funerals and, and Pastor Joni would be sitting in the crowd somewhere. And she would hear all the gossip while I'm preaching. Like, I, how long is he going to, oh, I can't, oh, yeah, shut up. And weddings, too. Weddings, she'd hear all the complaints about, why has he got to talk about all this at the wedding? <clears throat> but weddings are a little different. I learned not to talk long at weddings. Nobody cares. Not one person at the whole wedding cares. Now, most of the weddings we do, people like it because there's some gospel content. And uh, they get to hear some real truth about husbands and wives but you better keep it short. <laughs> Funeral, you get at least another 10, 15 minutes extra than you do at a wedding. A wedding, they just want the kiss and the cake. Just get, where, get, these, get this couple on the honeymoon road. Get them out of here. <clears throat> but uh, multitudes, praise the Lord. And then they all got saved then they all got baptized in water. Then they all got filled with the Holy Spirit when Peter and John came down. Go to Acts chapter 9. This is after Paul the apostle got saved, filled with the Spirit. Then he went to the saints in Jerusalem and they wouldn't have anything to do with him. They thought he was tricking them. And then Barnabas stands up and says, no, 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 no. You got to understand he's, he's for real. He got converted. He's been preaching the gospel. And so let's receive him. And then that was cool. Verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Notice that multiplied again. Listen, around here, we've got to expect that the gospel multiplies, that the disciples multiply, that the church multiplies. Everybody say it out loud. Say, Houston Faith Church, Houston Faith church. is multiplying. It must multiply. God grant us multiplication. Praise the Lord. Come on, we've spent a lot of time, effort, faith, and money, and heartfelt love to make sure this is a place where the gospel can reach the world and where God can grow his kingdom. Right. We put a lot of effort into this. So I know not everybody's been around very long or some of you haven't been around as long as others, uh, but just jump on and say, you know what? We're going to help this thing happen because this is, if you're, if you're here, then this is your spot. And this is when you get to heaven, this is what is on the sheet. Okay. How'd you do at the Houston faith church assembly? 
You don't want it to be empty or blank that, oh, I forgot that that was important. I forgot to do anything by faith that was anything in the will of God there. No, no, no. This is your spot. This is where you get to uh, produce some treasure. Matter of fact, Jesus even pulled money in onto that. Look, I'm not taking an offering up, anything special. We're going to do offering as normal. I'm just saying, Jesus said, don't lay up your treasure in the earth. Don't go hide it in something. Don't just, don't just save it where it could be stolen or where a bank could fail. He said, lay up treasure in heaven. That means you got to give it. To get treasure in heaven, you got to give it. You got to be generous. And so all of your life needs to be concerned about, you know, what am I doing for God in my life? What, what in the will of God am I doing on purpose, knowing one day there's reward coming? Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That includes how you love people, includes souls. You know, there's two things you can't do when you get to heaven. You can't sin, can't win any souls. And you can't give any money. That's why. That's why you don't want to die with a huge inheritance. You want to give some, make sure you got something for it. Sure gets quiet when you talk about money. <laughs> know, there he goes again, talking about money. Yeah, that's right. I'll keep talking about it until we get generous, until we let go of it. Fear of the Lord is important, respect of God, godly fear. Proverbs 19, the fear of the Lord tends to life. He that has it will abide satisfied, not be, and he shall not be visited with evil. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5, 21, submit yourselves in the fear of the Lord to one another. You're supposed to be submitted to one another as respect toward God. If you can't respect your neighbor, or care about your neighbor, or love your neighbor, or hold your neighbor's hand, or pray for your neighbor, or smile at your neighbor, or hug your neighbor, or do something special for your neighbor, then you don't fear the Lord very much. Right. Acts chapter 11, verse 22, the news of these things came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. I've always liked that. Uh, a great many people were added to the Lord because of Barnabas. Now, what was Barnabas' specialty? Because he was an, his anointing. Why was a great many people added to the Lord? Because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Yes, that would cause anointing, which would be the grace of God, which would be the presence of God, which would be the power of God and the glory of God. Because he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith, many were added to the Lord. I guess I should retract it, that yes, the anointing will draw people, but let's Let's know what the anointing is and why it's there. It's not just some special skill. It's a, it's a heart condition that allows God entrance to use somebody. Amen. He was a good man. Listen, all of you can be a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and then you can draw multitudes into the kingdom. 
You can add many to the Lord if you'll be a good man, if you'll be a good person, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that you're seeing new colors and new visions every week. It doesn't mean that you're you know, coming up with all sorts of fancy things to, to see out there and describe. No, no, it means that you're full of love, compassion, and power. Amen. And that you're helping people in their place of need. It means if they need salvation, you're bringing salvation in a right, wise way. It means if they need healing or deliverance, you're able to help them get to the next spot. And if you can't, then you're getting them to church. Uh, whatever it takes, we're adding people to the Lord every day, everywhere. Look at chapter 16, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. The churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You know, the early church had to increase, didn't it? It was zero. It had to increase. Well, the church, wherever it is today, needs to increase. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of inflow and outflow from the churches these days. You know, even at our church, you know, we've got a whole bunch of new members. You know, we probably added 150 new members last year, but then others disappeared. And so we, we need to expect increase that stays, fruit that remains in the kingdom. Now, you can't force people and you can't make that happen, but you do need to expect that people are really finding Jesus. Listen, once you really meet Jesus face to face and really catch the spirit of this kingdom of God, this family of God, man, it changes everything. I trust and pray that everybody here catches the spirit of the new covenant, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. You catch that, you get it, you meet him face to face, man, you're going to love everybody here. Man, you're not going to be able to live without other Christians in your life. You're not going to be satisfied by yourself at home doing nothing. I mean, how many times have I met people out there that, oh, pastor, sorry, I haven't been in church in a long time, but I'm still praying. Uh, that means nothing to me. I'm still praying. I still, I still pray. Uh, you didn't learn anything? Houston Faith Church, did you? Because that didn't come from us. That all you got to do is keep praying throughout your life. That's not even close to anywhere in the Bible. As your one main duty, that had nothing to do with it. Amen. And you're probably not even praying. But I ain't judging. Really, a spiritual person can judge all things. And I know that if you were praying, then you would also be reading your Bible because reading the Bible is God's is a huge part of God's conversation back to you. And if you're reading your Bible, you would find the truth. You would see what spiritual health requires and you would care about people and you'd want to be with the body and you wouldn't forsake the assembly of yourselves. So I know that what you're saying is not completely true. hate to get all serious in here on a Wednesday night. If you're a person of faith, if you're a faith man, faith, if, you're a, if you're living a life of faith, it means your life is not your own. You've come to the place 
My life is not my own. This life I now live in, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not even I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. That's what a faith person, that's really what your life is. That means you've lost your rights to do nothing for Amen. God. Amen. It means you're led. If you're a faith person, you're led. If your life of faith is led and governed and infused by someone else, that would be the Spirit. It means he speaks, I listen. If I'm a faith person, I change. If I truly have faith in God, I change. That's right. And I start to see it like God sees it. And I start to care about the kingdom like God cares about it. And that means you cannot be just a Christian that lives a domestic worldly life and sometimes attends a place where other Christians are. It requires that you devote, commit, consecrate, give yourself to the Lord and his body. Ephesians 4. Maybe it's the last scripture. We could auction off another scripture if you'd like. <laughs> Ephesians 4 uh, verse, we'll, we'll pick up with verse 14, uh, that the saints need to be equipped, the, the ministers are held here to equip the saints, work with the ministry, edify the body. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And that's one reason why I harp on and hammer uh, winds of doctrine, false doctrine, twisted doctrine, elementary, wrong Christian doctrine. Sure, you want to let Christian babies kind of have a little leeway at the same time. I don't want people to be tricked into uh, fruitless pursuits, distractions, and especially deceptions. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by what every part does it share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Listen, this is highly spiritual talk, isn't it? It's highly spiritual to think about the body as needing to grow. You, I don't know, but, but somehow in the beginning, I, I, I found a place uh, to feel responsible for the body. I had responsibility. This is before I was a preacher of any sort. Before I knew I was called to preach, I felt a responsibility to be a Christian who was devoted to the body. Yeah. Highly spiritual stuff, right? Every Christian needs to go through this type of thought process. Am I devoted? Do I see this? That every joint supplies something to grow this body? Wow. Now, at Houston Faith Church, we, we thank God and we, we want to acknowledge the fact that we have hundreds of servers here, hundreds of people on our serve teams. Hallelujah. Like half the church is serving, you know, where you're on a schedule to serve something. Amen. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, at some point more and more, but nonetheless, even if you're not formally on a sheet or a position or a department, you're, you're serving one another every time you come. 
You, you find a way to bless, to love, to help, Amen. to encourage every time you come to church. Amen. You don't have to be a formal greeter on the greeter team to greet people. So it, it would be, at some point, you can't just come to church and sit there and wait for church to start. Well, I'm praying, Pastor. I know. Pray for five minutes, then get up and go sh- fellowship for five minutes. <laughs> go let people know that you're here. And I understand, I understand some people are shy, some people are introverted, some people have a hard time socially. I get that. Take a little half step at least. Amen. Just a half step. Go buy some cheese crackers and eat one cracker in front of somebody. That's all I'm saying. Praise the Lord. We, we are supposed to change enough. Like in the Bible, it says, it makes this statement, it says, and they were called Christians first at Antioch. Like that was like, what are they going to call all these people that are acting like Jesus, following Jesus, talking about Jesus, having the same power as Jesus, doing all these things like Jesus, causing the same uproar, turning the world upside down like Jesus. Well, I don't know, they just call them Christians or really Christians. It's really, I think it should be Christian. It means little Christ. It means someone that kind of is just like Christ, a Christ follower. So Christian, we're all Christians. They call them Christians first at a particular city because they were so different. Listen, you need to make sure that this gospel has changed you so that you're different. So that people in your life, they look at you thinking, wow. You're different. Something's happened to you. You're just different than everybody else. And you're different than the way you used to be. Isn't that fun? Come on. Jesus Christ is supposed to change you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's supposed to change you. People should notice the change and get mad at the change. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. They are going to make fun of you because you've changed some lifestyle. They're going to make fun of you because you don't drink. They're going to make fun of you because you don't do what they do. You don't say what they say. You don't stay as long at the thing that they're staying at. You might go eat the dinner, but you're, go- you're done. You're not going to continue as the inebriation rises. You have nothing to talk about. There's nothing, you- there's nothing for them. My, my, the way I used to do it and, and still do, if I ever get the chance, I just don't get the chance much. If I get invited to a, a worldly thing or old friends or something like that, uh, just the first I come, I come early. I'm like one of the first ones there so that I can put in my time early before everybody gets a little tipsy. And, uh, and I look for who's open and I've led two, two half drunk people to the Lord and changed their whole life. That's my plan. We're supposed to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I'm on a mission in there. I'm not just high-fiving people. I'm in there to find you. And pick you off. Like, let's, 
Come outside with me for just a moment. Not, don't do it around the table with everybody else. Just pick them off one at a time. Sniper. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, I'll end with this. Uh, I didn't come up with this. This is kind of church growth strategy and a perspective of the church. And you can just decide where you're at in this. To the community... We say, come and see. And we actually started putting that on our invites. Come and see. That's a good way to say it, right? Come and see. To the crowd that does come, we say, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Not me. Christ will give you rest, right? So once you're here, Christ will give you rest. To the congregation, so the community is one thing. To the crowd is another thing. To the congregation, the message is take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself. So once you become a member here, that's the message to you. All right. We're going to help you really grow up in Christ. And then to the committed, it's bear the burdens of one another. Now you're going to serve. You're going to bear the burdens of one another. And we do thank you for your faithfulness. So there's different group, there's a different group that everybody is in. You could call it spheres. To the community, it's come and see. And then to the crowd, okay, come get delivered. Find Jesus, get at rest. And then to the congregation, take up your cross. It's where you change. And then the committed, man, just heap the burden on me of other people. Praise the Lord. Is everybody in? Will you at least take the next step? One more step of commitment or faithfulness or responsibility for people or care for people. Or maybe you could just love one more person. Just be extremely kind and caring and compassionate. Interested. How about just, just be interested in one more person here? Now, if it's the opposite sex, don't be too interested The system, if you're single and thinking you might want to get married, the system is uh, you're going to have to hang out in groups. Don't be trying to cozy up to somebody. You got to be real wise and real Holy Ghost about And if you're real wise and Holy Ghost about it, you'll find God's will and he'll, he'll make it happen for you. But if you're going to do it like you did it in the world, then somebody's not going to like that. And if, so, and if somebody's doing something that you don't appreciate, it's, it's, you know, try to handle it as best you can with wisdom, with grace. Just say no. Just handle it yourself. Should be fine. Trust God. He'll protect you. And if, and if you're still having trouble and you can't get him off your tail, tell the bouncer. He'll, he'll get... I don't know who the bouncer is, but... Praise God. Praise. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's thank him. Father, we love you and we thank you. Praise your name, God. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. 
What you'll find is the Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.